it's 11 minutes before the hour. You're listening to Raven Radio, KCAW Sitka. Today is Tuesday, September 8, 2020. I'm Erin Fulton with Raven News. Sitka schools opened on August 27th and administrators say things are going well. The Sitka School Board on Wednesday heard generally good reports from district buildings and not a single complaint. Nevertheless, the administration remains vigilant as communities elsewhere struggle to keep schools open. KCAW's Robert Woolsey reports. The infection rate in Sitka tapered a bit in August, and that may have eased anxiety over Sitka's 1,200 students returning to school, if only for half days or an alternating cohort schedule. District Interim Superintendent John Holst told the board that extensive planning and preparation by staff and teachers appears to have paid off. We've had maybe a few emails uh, from parents who are concerned about something and just looking for more information. But other than that, we have had no complaints from anyone. Sitka schools went with a cohort model, keeping small groups of students in elementary and middle school classrooms and rotating in teachers for core academic classes. High school students were divided in half, with each half attending on alternate days. The buildings have been mostly vacant since the governor ordered schools closed last March during spring break. Keith Gushaheen Principal Casey Demert said it was a little different vibe in his building under COVID protocols, but it was a good vibe. It is just so nice to have people back in the building. There was significant concern about the return of classes at Baranoff Elementary and whether students in kindergarten and first grade would manage the COVID protocols, including masking. Principal Jill LaCrone reported a smooth start there also, even saying that one parent had texted her to say that coming back to school was, in her son's words, the best day of my life. But Superintendent John Holst said that Sitka was not about to rest on its laurels. The district was continuing to plan for the almost inevitable day when a positive case of COVID-19 is detected in school. A staggered testing schedule is in place, so all staff will be tested for the virus twice a month on alternate weeks. He was counting on the support of the community in this effort. Although things are going well now, they could easily go the other way. We're now in the green I think we are down to four cases in the last, uh, last 14 days. Uh, very encouraging. And, and, and I think if, we're, uh, if everybody in the community is, is careful, uh, I think that we, we can stay this way. And uh, just real, it's really hopeful uh, that we've gotten into the school year uh, and not had uh, any kind of a serious outbreak in the community. Holst noted that since the beginning of the pandemic in March, Sitka's cases have not been associated with any widespread outbreak, as has become common in large cities. Anchorage has had several spreader events where people were infected at the same location, and even the smallest communities can be susceptible. Angoon had six people test positive for the virus on the very day school was scheduled to resume on August 26th. A big drop in Sitka's enrollment also hasn't materialized. Holst anticipated about 5% fewer students in school this year compared to last, but he didn't have firm numbers. He said enrollment in Sitka's Reach Homeschool was continuing to climb, 80 students this year so far versus 12 last year. Anchorage and Juneau, Holst said, have both been decimated by decreases in enrollment along with many other districts. We're in good company, he told the board. The only schools seeing increases in enrollment this year are correspondence schools. Reporting in Sitka, I'm Robert Woolsey. 
The toxins that cause paralytic shellfish poisoning, or PSP, have been found in shellfish collected recently near Yakutat. The Yakutatlika tribe's environmental department says that blue mussels, little neck clams, and cockles collected last month from Ankau saltchucks in Puget Cove contained low levels of paralytic shellfish toxins. Butter clams from Ankau also contained low levels, and the tribe continues to advise against their harvest based on past high levels of PSP. The tribe submitted the samples as part of a regular monitoring effort sponsored by the Southeast Alaska Ocean Tribal Research Partnership. It monitors sites around Southeast Alaska and serves as an early warning system for PSP, a serious and sometimes fatal illness. Yakutatlika Tribe Environmental Director Jennifer Hanlon says that the recent results actually show lower levels than in the past, particularly for butter clams. They've submitted additional samples and expect results soon. But she warns that results are time-sensitive and there's no guarantee that shellfish will be safe to eat. We're happy to provide this information to the community to inform their harvesting plans, but we do remind everyone that there is always going to be a risk when it comes to harvesting shellfish. Despite the risks, Hanlon says harvesting shellfish is an important part of her community. I think there's also so many benefits to just getting out on the land and our ancestral waters and harvesting these foods. They're very nutrient-dense, and it's just a, a good way to get out and feel that connection to our community and provide that source of food for our families. People interested in harvesting shellfish in either area should watch for advisories on the Yakutat Shinkit Tribe's Facebook page. We'll post a link on our website at kcaw.org. Harvesters can contact the tribe if they want to get their shellfish tested. Contractors are preparing to begin work on repair and expansion of remote forest roads on Kuprinoff Island in southeast Alaska. The controversial $40 million project may extend the road from the village of Cake to a proposed new boat ramp north of Petersburg. Five miles of new road still awaits approval from the U.S. Army Corps of Engineers. And as KFSK's Joe Vicknicki reports, critics of the project want a public hearing on that permit and greater scrutiny of the plans. State transportation officials say the Cake Access Project will improve access to fishing and hunting in the Tongass National Forest on the northern part of the island. Once it's completed, motorists would be able to drive from Cake across the island to a public boat ramp about 12 miles north of Petersburg. The State Department of Transportation has already committed $15.5 million to a contractor, Kiwit Corporation, for the first phase of the $40 million project. The international construction company has mobilized around a half dozen workers to Portage Bay and will be reconditioning existing forest roads on that part of Kupernoff Island. The DOT's engineering manager, Joe Kemp, says the contractor isn't widening the existing gravel road. The only thing that they'll do is... Uh in places that they can go out and blade the road and make it nice and flat again, they'll do that. In places where they need to add material, uh, they will do that. That work is expected to start this month and take about two weeks. They'll also be crushing rock if the U.S. Forest Service grants a special use permit to expand three existing gravel pits on the road system. Meanwhile, the DOT still plans over five miles of new road construction in that area as well. That's less than the 13 miles originally proposed. Kemp says that's because the budget for that much road was more than the agency could currently afford. So we had to make changes, and we what we ended up doing is utilizing more existing roads 
uh, that the Forest Service has out there than um, instead of building new roads. The state agency is still negotiating a second work package with Kiwit that will include tree clearing and construction of new roadway. That work will also include a bridge over 12 Mile Creek and a boat ramp on the shoreline of Frederick Sound. It's been pushed back until next year with a springtime target for starting and completion next fall. But that new road depends on a wetlands fill permit from the Corps of Engineers. And some residents in Petersburg and Cake are asking for a public hearing and more consultation with tribes before the federal agency grants that permit. There's been absolutely no opportunity for on-the-record public input for this latest iteration of the project. Petersburg resident Becky Knight spent the 4th of July weekend collecting 118 signatures on a petition that calls for hearings and more scrutiny and delivered it to the Army Corps. There's just a ton of questions that need to be answered. And, um, you know, from our community standpoint, I think probably the waste of money, but also where did the money go? Lawmakers approved $40 million in state funds for the project back in 2012. State Senator Bert Stedman has been one of the principal backers of the project. The Sitka Republican dismisses opposition to the Cake Access Project. Uh, There are groups of people that you're never going to uh, get to agree on any of the infrastructure projects. Some of them would disagree on every one of them. So, you know, from that on far, far side of the spectrum, they're irrelevant. Stedman says the new road will create economic development opportunities between the two communities and make it easier to install future transmission lines to run power across the island. So this is just part of the transportation corridors uh, that need to, need to be pursued. And again, that road is, is a, you know, a very rudimentary access when it's completed or will be rudimentary access when it's completed from Cake uh, going east. He says he'd prefer the road extend closer to Petersburg rather than stop at a new boat ramp near 12 Mile Creek. But the petition for Petersburg is not the only organized opposition to the project. The federally recognized tribal government, the organized village of Cake, has joined with environmental groups to try to stop the project. Olivia Glasscock is an attorney for Earth Justice, a Juno-based environmental law firm representing the tribe, the Alaska Rainforest Defenders, and the Southeast Alaska Conservation Council. She says the project's design keeps changing. That creates significant confusion, and uh, there's a lack of clarity about why this project is needed or um, what purpose it serves. The Army Corps says an environmental assessment document will be done for the segments of new road, bridge, and boat ramp. The Corps says it's considering the request to hold a public hearing on the wetlands permit, but it says it hasn't decided whether it will. In Petersburg, I'm Joe Vicknicki. I'm Erin Fulton, and this has been Raven News. This is Morning Edition.